certainly something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. And that's when I realized the good news she was talking about. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Belong Church. We're so glad that everyone's here with us. And a big shout out to everyone who's watching us online and watching after the fact. And I know there's so many people that aren't able to make it here. And we tried multiple service times and all these different things. And it just was a struggle for many. So our online campus is what's doing really well. And um, we just want to say a great big hello and Merry Christmas to everybody. Did you guys hear the president said Merry Christmas this past week? And it's been a long time. He says, for a long, long time, we haven't been able to say this, but finally, I'm going to say it just straight out, Merry Christmas. So it's pretty awesome and, you know, not getting political at all, but it's just really awesome to be able to acknowledge Christ and Christmas. A couple of things I just want to hit again with what Michael was saying. So I, I put them in here. So, you know, repetition is the price of knowledge I heard when I was growing up. So 21 days of prayer is coming and be thinking about the things that you're going to be praying about. And Michael mentioned the word intentionality, and that's my biggest word. And everything in the world and everything I do, I try to be intentional, and I want to encourage you to do that as well. So what are you asking God for this, this year, this coming year? And we talked about the month of December should be when we make our 
goals and our plans for 2019 or for the next year and to say, okay, God, what is it that I'm believing for next year? Not wait for the first day, but be ready on the first day to hit it and go. And of course, today is a day we've been building up to for weeks that this is our legacy offering week, and we've been talking for weeks about making that intentional as well. So if you haven't prayed and asked God what you're supposed to do to participate, well, you got a few minutes left. You know, we're squeaking down to the end, but that's when I did my best work, waiting to the last minute. So maybe you're like me, but we will be taking our legacy offering today at the end of the service, and everyone online will be able to join us as well by going to the website, givetobelong.com, www.givetobelong.com. And it'll come up at, your, at the bottom of the screen at the end of the service when we talk about it. But I, want, I just want to ask you, as this is the 21 days of prayer and fasting, what are you going to give up? What are you going to fast? So I always do sugar, which is the worst thing in the world for me. And second worst is meat. So I only do like a modified Daniel, so I eat vegetables and the nuts and that stuff, and I don't ever want to see any more vegetables at the end of it. But that's my fast, and I'm still praying and asking God, but I want to ask you, what are you going to give up for the prayer and the fasting? But purpose your life for change for next year. Set your goals for the next year this month and get it all set up. I want to tell you this morning that the title of my message, I usually wait to the end or somewhere in there, but I'm going to tell you right off the beginning, it's called God's Plan. And, and there's a popular song uh, on secular radio about God's plan, and, and it's not at all what I'm talking about this morning, but it, it's, God does have a plan for our life. It's so funny because the guys were messing around this morning whenever I, they're setting everything up and they threw the, the logo up, please do not put it up now. Uh, it's the secular album cover for God's plan. I'm like, no, 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 that's not the one I'm talking about. But God has a plan for your life. He had a plan for all of our life, and that's why he sent Jesus. And we're going to look at a story today. But I want you to know that God knows the end of your life from the beginning of your life. God's word says that clearly, and we're going to look at some scripture. And Michael told me earlier, he goes, man, we are really hitting the word hard today because, man, you've got a whole bunch. We're reading like an entire chapter of the Bible. So if you'll turn with me to your, in your Bible to John chapter 11, we're going to look at a crazy story that you may have heard before, and you may be like me, you've heard it all of your life. But we're going to look at the story of Lazarus. But I, I'm, I'm hoping that you, like me, are going to see some things that we didn't see before. So verse 1, it, here we get to see who all the players are in this whole story. So in verse 1 of John chapter 11, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So we have the three siblings here. We have Lazarus, we have Mar Mary, and we have Martha. Now, I love the Bible. It doesn't just leave things out or throw random things out, but everything is even intentional in the Bible. Verse 2, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume 
on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, we'll see later on that that, that event doesn't happen till way after this actually happened. That happens in further chapters down. But he, the writer, John, is telling us the whole story. So where you've heard the story about the woman who came and wiped Jesus' feet with her hair right before the, the crucifixion and the burial, he's now putting this all into context. So again, we see we've got Lazarus, we have Mary, and we have Martha. Now think about Mary when she does wipe Jesus' feet. Now many believe that she's the same woman that was caught in adultery that they brought, I believe, naked or close to it and thrown down in the middle of church in front of Jesus and said, this woman was caught in adultery. She's supposed to be stoned by the law. What do you say? And, and you've heard me preach that many, many times. If you haven't, you can almost pick any of the podcasts going back to the beginning of our church, and you'll hear me talk about that because it's one of my favorite scriptures and one of my favorite stories. But God, Jesus was such a great, great blessing to her, to Mary, and we see her in this picture. She came and she poured out this whole offering because of what Jesus had done for her. But after that great experience with her, they stay with Jesus. And they're just on his coattails. I mean, think about this woman whose life has been changed by Jesus that has now affected this family. Goes on. Lazarus is sick. Verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we see the picture that not only does Jesus have his guys that he likes to hang out with, and then he's got the three that are the ones he really hangs out the most with, but then he's got this other relationship outside of the guys that he travels with that he has such a great fondness for Lazarus. Like he's almost best friends with him. That he just has this great love for him. That he just, he just loves that whole family. And he loves what God did through him for them. But he just loves them and he loves relationships. And can I tell you, nothing has changed. Jesus and God still love relationships today. And so should we. So they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Verse 4, when he, Jesus, heard this, Jesus said, This sickness, look at this, will not end in death. The sickness will not end in death. Now, now we understand at the end because we know that Lazarus was raised from the dead. And if you don't, that's a spoiler alert. But Jesus raises him from the dead. But we, they didn't know that then. Jesus' words are, this will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. So the son God's son may be glorified through it. Moving on. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't make any sense at all. Because if I hear one of my loved ones, one of my close friends is sick or ill, I'm going to drop what I'm doing. I'm going to cancel all my meetings, and I'm going to haul butt to get to where they're at and just to be there. Now imagine if I'm Jesus and I have the ability to say, now rise up from your bed and be healed even more, would I say, man, I'm going to get there. I'm going to hook them. I'm going to get there really, really quick. And Jesus says, no, we're going to stay here for a few more days. I'm sure they're all scratching their heads like, maybe he's not that sick. Maybe Jesus knows something we don't know. And then he says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. This is after a couple of days. 
verse 8. Now, they think that there's not a problem at all because Jesus has just stayed around after he heard that Lazarus is sick. He's like, and eh, don't worry about it. Stayed more time. So they're thinking it really isn't that big of a deal. So now their priority, their urgency, their sense of urgency of getting back for Lazarus has, you can see, diminished. So now they're talking about the practical things that are going on. How many of you know that when there is something really significant going on, you're thinking about that, and my, my friend, my loved one is sick, I got to get back regardless of the consequences. But then after all the urgency comes down, now the practical things like, well, do I have money to get there? Do I, am I going to be able to take off work? Or are they gonna, am I going to lose my job? Or you start thinking about all the practical things that you don't necessarily think of when you have a sense of urgency. So here they say, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. So like, Jesus, it's not safe for you to go back. No longer is it, hey, Lazarus is sick. We need to get there before he dies so we can, we can raise him up. Now they're like, hey, Jesus, you sure you want to go back there? And Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. And those who see by the world's light... It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And when he said this, he went on to tell them, verse 11, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, again, their thing in the sense of urgency is gone. Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Now, doesn't that sound like something we would say? Man, I mean, if you're able to just lay down and sleep, Man, you're going to break the fever. You're going to have some soup and some crackers. and You're going to maybe eat some orange slices. And you're, you're going to be all right. You just need some time to rest. Jesus is like, he's just, he just needs some, he's falling asleep, but I'm going there to wake him. And then Jesus said to them in verse 13, Jesus had been speaking of death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep, just getting some rest. Verse 14, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now think about that in the context. Here they know Jesus is very, very fond of Lazarus. They're really, really close with that whole family. And do they get word that Lazarus is sick? And Jesus is like, oh, it's not going to end in death. The play on words is end in death. But they didn't understand how that was all working out. It's just like, okay, he's not that sick. They think the sense of urgency is gone. And Jesus says he's fallen asleep. And then they're like, okay, if he sleeps, that's a good. And then Jesus comes out just like really harshly says, Lazarus is dead. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the thing that you wanted to have happen, what you're praying for and what you're believing for, and just what is in the natural life? I just wish that I could reach out and grab it, and then all of a sudden it's just like there's death to it. And those harsh words, Lazarus is dead. <gasps> can't you imagine? I, I can't imagine being a physician an ER doctor, a trauma person, and those moments when someone, you've given it all you have, and you have to come out and notify the family and say, we did all we could. I'm sorry. Your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your parent, your friend is dead. Jesus told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse 14. 15. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Now, does that make any sense at all to you? That doesn't make any sense at all to me. Not that I'm questioning Jesus, but for him to say, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. 
so that you may believe. But let us now go to him. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb, counted out with me for four days. Lazarus had died. They'd done the burial ceremony, and they'd put him in the tomb. He'd been in the tomb for four days. Now, remember, they didn't have the embalming processes that we have. They didn't have the funeral homes and all this stuff. They just wrapped up as tightly as they could all the stuff with the bandages all around him, and they poured some fragrances to kind of help prevent when all the bodily fluids and all the decay and everything starts happening to try and just do this as best they could for it, but it was still going to get pretty rough in that tomb. Verse 18, now Bethany was two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha, the survivors, to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When, Mary, when Martha excuse me, heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So I want you to get this picture. Now, I'm reading in between the lines, and you can read in between the lines with me. It's right in there. But, but I believe they both heard that Jesus was coming because it says, but Mary stayed at home. Mary, I, I, I can just only imagine a sitting here going, man, you did this wonderful thing for me. I, I went home and I told my sister and I told my brother, and they started following you. And, and Jesus, if you just come, it's too late. Martha went out to meet him. But look what Martha said in verse 21. Lord, she said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've spoken with someone. And their whole demeanor, their whole perception of God was, why did this happen, God? Why is this, what, why is this the outcome? I, I, I really believe for something else. And man, I'm trying to follow you the best I can. And, and this is what happened. Can't you hear that inside of her? The grief of this woman who's just missing everything cries out, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. See, her faith was in Jesus' ability to heal him. But now before we get too hard on Martha, there's never been anyone raised from the dead. So there's no context that she's saying, hey, you raised these 15 people from the dead, so I think that you can do this for my brother too. Their context was completely in that Jesus had healed the sick. Look at her words in verse 22. I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, which is the most amazing statement. I know that even now, but she's confessing her faith, but we'll see in a moment she really didn't have it. Jesus said to her in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And look, her, her attention and her focus and her understanding is portrayed in verse 25. 24, excuse me. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So I don't know what she's saying. Even now, God will hear your prayer. I don't, I don't know what she's even thinking there because when Jesus says he's going to rise again, she's immediately going to the end when we're all going to stand before God. This week, I had the opportunity and invitation to go be with, uh, 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 I, I, I don't even know how to say it. It's a secular podcast. 
And um, I can't even say the name of the podcast um, with my mouth because it's got a cuss word in it. And I just don't want to, I mean, I'm not going to cuss. But, you know, they invited me to be there and to talk about some evangelism, some outreach stuff. And, and I, I was there and we talked about stuff. And we went on some of these, all these crazy different scenarios and these different um, thoughts and, and crazy things that are asking me, what do you think about aliens? I mean, it was just out there. And and we talked about so many things, and my point isn't to go into that whole conversation or even to try and get you to go listen to the podcast, but it's kind of cool that God has given me a platform to be in there, and they invited me back and to have these opportunities. But but the question came up about people living forever, and and then they talked about aliens, and I redirected the conversation back over to people living forever, and and in the medicine, how um, there's genes that they're now figured out how medically through research of of collagen where it naturally stops and drops off as we get older they found a way to to modify that and so your body starts creating collagen so you don't age you don't get wrinkles you you look like you're a teenager the whole time which to me just immediately thinks you're going to have zits for when you're like 70 and 80 90 100 years old you're going to have acne again but anyway um, they've got all these things, and they're asking me, what do you think about that? And I said, well, it's no different, really, from those people that are in the bed that are sick, and they're on life support, and, and they've got all the machines that are doing everything for them. I said, but this, and this is where I just kind of like was able to zing it right in. I said, but everyone is going to stand before God one day. You see, that's where Martha is at. She's like, I know he's going to rise because he's going to stand before God and before you one day. But Jesus says in verse 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live not even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So even in her grief, even in her going, man, Jesus, if you just would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She's still able to say, I believe in you. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. And I believe Mary heard he's coming, and she's like, no, I just can't face him right now. But she says, hey, the teacher is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to go to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered into the village, but was still the same place where Martha had met him. But when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforted her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And how many of you know when, when you have something going on, the, your friends will rally around you and they don't really know what to say, but they see you go over here, they're just going to go with you and we're just going to mourn with you. And we'll, we'll just go to the tomb again and we'll just cry and oh, what a great person your brother was and, and you know, sling snot and you know, do all the stuff that's there. But verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And look at what she said. The same thing Martha said. Lord, if you just been here. Can't you feel that anguish? They both had it. And can I tell you, I think that's common to us. God, I I was believing for this. If you just would have showed up, God, if the pastor just would have prayed more for for what's going on in my life, then, then this terrible thing wouldn't happen. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and troubled. I love that. I love that Jesus was so connected with people that as he saw what was going on inside of them, 
he was moved as well. Remember, he told them days earlier, Lazarus isn't going to end in death. But Lazarus is dead. This isn't going to end in death. I opened up my message today with reminding you that Jesus and God knows your life from your last breath rewind all the way to your first one. He knows every single moment. This isn't going to end in death. He knew what was going to happen. He stayed longer where he was at, and he got there, and yet even in all of his knowledge of this, he still had compassion on them. He was deeply moved. He says, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord. And in their mind, they're thinking, Jesus is going to come and pay his respects. Shortest verse in the Bible is the next one. Jesus wept. That just boggles my mind. I'm, I'm kind of skipping ahead in my message a little bit, but we see... Jesus will show us, and, and guys, if you can jump with me, and, and we'll come back to here. But in John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus was talking to the disciples, and he says, Verily I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself, but he only does what he sees his Father doing. I believe by Jesus' own words that Jesus didn't have his own agenda. He's just out there doing whatever. But he saw the Father say, hey, I want you to heal that person. And Jesus was like, okay, I'm going over here, and I'm going to lay hands on this person. And they're going to have their eyesight. To God. I believe God says, hey, I want you to spit in the dirt and make an eyeball, put it in. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. Jesus is following what he sees the Father do. When he knew that Lazarus was sick, I believe the Father says, hey, he's going to die. He's going to be in the tomb and you're going to go over there and you're going to say the words and he's going to come to life and it's going to be the first person. I believe Jesus saw the whole picture when they said, your friend Lazarus is sick. That empowered him to say, this isn't going to end in death. We're going to stay here for a few more days. See, he needed to stay there a few more days to let this process that he saw from his Father in heaven be accomplished. Yet with all of Jesus' knowledge, with all of Jesus' understanding, with him seeing what the Father is going to do in this situation, going back to uh, verse 35, Jesus wept. How is it that Jesus, knowing the entire picture, still cried over his friend. See, I, I was talking with a, a friend last night at the Christmas party, and, and I'm like, you know, wouldn't we be the exact opposite? Wouldn't we be more like, not ego or even narcissistic or about us, but be like, hey, don't cry. Come on, let's go to the tomb. I'm going to call his name. He's going to come out. We're going to do all this stuff. I mean, like, hey, I know what's going on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Stop crying. Come on, get here together. I'm going to Jesus didn't do that. Jesus took the moment to experience what Mary and Martha was experiencing. He took that moment to step into their life to feel what they felt. 
even to the point that he paused and he wept. That boggles my mind. Because so, so quickly, I want to move past all this to get to the good stuff. But the good stuff is the relationships that Jesus had with a woman who was a prostitute, a woman caught in adultery, a woman they're trying to kill that Jesus probably had never even seen in his life. Before that day, they threw him, her, threw her at his feet. He developed such strong relationships with these people. He's moved with compassion. Verse 36, and the Jews said, see how much he loved him? Some of them said, there's still these people today. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Verse 38, Jesus once more moved deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and he said, take away the stone. But here's their, still their mindset. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. It's going to stink in there, Jesus. I mean, I, you want to go see him that bad? He's pretty rough now. He's been in there for four days. In the New King James Version of that same scripture, it says, Then Jesus again, groaning inside of himself. Have you ever had something that's so troubling that it's groaning inside of you like, ugh? That's what Jesus went through. Continuing on, verse 40. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they obeyed him. They took away the stone, verse 41. Then Jesus looked up and said, I love this scripture. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42. I knew that you always hear me. But I thank you that right now you've heard me. I've got the download from you of what you're doing. And I simply need to do what you're asking of me. But for the benefit of these people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Then he said this. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Then Jesus said, take the grave cloths off and let him go. Many of them must have had dreams that Jesus was going to come and just swoop in as soon as he called. And man, it's going to be, I mean, that prideful moment of, hey, you're our friend. We got these relationships with you. And Jesus is going to drop everything, come rushing in. And it's like, okay, Lazarus, get up from your bed. And it's like, oh, it's just all wonderful. And he died. They're like, where's Jesus. We see the perspective of his sisters. Jesus, if you'd only been here, if you just would have showed up, if you just would have answered our prayers. Jesus saw what God was doing, and yet he allowed 
the process to continue. No one could see what the Father saw. No one could see what Jesus saw. Four days, he was in complete decay. I mean, it it was rough in that tomb. We often hear in death about loved ones. Man, when they, tra- when they take that transition into paradise, man, even if they w- they're not going to want to come back, even if they could, they're going to be like, oh, no. Man, being in God's presence completely and, uh, and just unfiltered, like, there's no way I'm going to go back to earth. It says he stinks now in another translation. Then he, Lazarus, hers, hears that voice. He heard his friend calling, come out, Lazarus, come forth. He translated from the four days of being in paradise. He just, can I point to you another thing that just is amazing to me? The previous verse, the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. Jesus was crying out of his tears, streaming down his face of compassion with him. I believe he cried out. Just imagine that. Put that picture in your mind. Jesus got crying. He's crying. And out of those tears, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And I knew what was going to happen. Instantly, everything changed. But Lazarus woke up. His last memories being in his deathbed. You know, everything's starting to fail him. It's, it, it's like, ha, ha, ha. And all of a sudden, he wakes up, and now he's compl- it's completely dark, and he, he's a mummy, and he's got all these things wrapped around him all the way, and it has cloth over his eyes. He can't see. He can't move anything. So Keisha, he's doing the little mummy walk, the little shuffle, da, 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 when Jesus says, come forth, and he comes forth. But then he says, go, loose him. Can't, are you with me? Can't you just see Mary and Martha pushing everybody to the side to get up there and start ripping those bandages off of him? It's like, oh my gosh, I can't even wait to hug you. Can I suggest to you, in this Christmas season, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Jesus' birth was for his gift that he gave us to pay for our sins. And when he was crucified and put in that tomb, it was no stretch for Mary and Martha going to take care of the tomb. When they got there on that glorious Sunday morning in the tomb, that rock was rolled away. And the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? It was no stretch at all for them to know that Jesus was raised from the dead. They're like, oh, no, no, no. I got this. I've been here before. My understanding saying, I know God can do anything, but I saw him raise my brother from the dead. I saw those things being ripped off of my hands as I'm trying to get to my brother. Jesus is alive. I believe they said it does. I've learned it doesn't matter what it looks like to me. God is able to do anything. Can't you see them running back going, He's risen. This is a season of the year that is full of happiness. We sang Joy to the World is the first song. The, the bumper video had Joy to the World in it. And, and our first, the service bumper had, a, had the Joy to the World song in it. But can I tell you, this time of the year for so many people isn't Joy to the World. 
Maybe for you or someone you know, it is what it was for Mary and Martha. God, where are you? What I thought was the answer didn't happen. How I thought this was going to turn out, how I prayed didn't happen. Please bow your heads. God's plan. God's plan was to allow Lazarus to go through this natural process of being sick and decay to die. And that God's plan was to raise him. We don't understand God's plan. Next week, we're going to look at the things we don't understand. But God's got a plan. He knows your last breath from your first. He has a plan for you. Are you interested? Are you all in? Today you can come to the Father and receive his provision for you, his son. You can see that Jesus came to the earth to show us that to pay for my sins and for your sins so I don't have to and so you don't have to. If that's you, I want to invite you today to pray this prayer with me. I'll help you with the words. Simply say this. Say, Jesus, I trust in you. I don't understand it all, but I choose you. I choose the plan you have for my life. Thank you for paying for my sin so I don't have to. Today is my day. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me. Simply come just like I am. I surrender it all to you. And I choose to follow you. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my life. Today, I give you my life. Now, Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. Maybe they've prayed it for the five millionth time today. It doesn't matter. Lord, if we take two steps forward and we take three steps backwards and we keep saying the prayer over, you're always still there with your hand welling and waiting for us, waiting for me. Thank you that I can't sin so bad and get so far from you that you're not going to accept me back. Thank you for your plan for my life, for every one of our lives. God, I pray that you help us to understand just as you had a plan and a provision for Lazarus and for Mary and for Martha and for everyone who saw this story unfold. You still had compassion. You still stepped into their world to feel what they feel. And not just be a deity that stands above saying, oh, you don't need to be crying. Wipe those tears away. Come on. You took the moment to experience what we experience. We give this all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love that story. It just just boggles my mind, all the different layers of it. As we close, if you'll pull your connection card out, 
And I'm going to ask you for the first time, and we only do this one time a year, and I've been warning you for many, many weeks we're doing it. There are offering envelopes for everyone. This is our legacy offering today, and I'm going to ask everyone that you would consider doing something. And I've asked you for weeks to plan what you're going to do and that there's no compulsion. I'm not going to twist anyone's arm today, but this is the day we're doing a special offering and it's going to be for our local church, for helping churches around the world, helping our missionaries. This is a special, this isn't your tithes and offering. This is a special offering and it should be on the bottom of the screen. Um, but you can, get, you can go to www.givetobelong.com. If you're watching online or you're watching after the fact, it all still goes there. And this will be our legacy offering. And there's a pull-down tab that you can go straight to legacy. And that's what this offering is for. And we do this one time a year. We talk about finances one time a year in one message to kind of explain how it all works to make sure everyone understands and I purposed when we started this church that I didn't want to be the church that every week we're talking about money and every week we're giving a 15, 20 minute message on money and that's fine for everyone who wants to do that. That's just not me. But today's that day. So I'm asking everyone to do that. And in the connection card, there's a place here if you made that decision for Christ for the first time or a rededication, recommitment, or if you want to be baptized, we're going to be having a baptism sometime in the beginning of the year. So we're starting to put those um, those uh, applications in and get that all lined up, put those lists together. And if you want somebody to talk with you more privately, one-on-one, there's a place for you to do that there. Whew. Love that message. What an amazing time. All right, Lenore, will you help me with the bucket? It's right below you. All right, if you'll stand to your feet, we're going to pray and be dismissed. Father God, I thank you for all the connection cards that have come in this week, the ones that have come in online and through the service. God, I thank you for all the prayer requests that we're getting, Lord. Even our Facebook page for prayer requests, God, that, that you, people are looking at it. I get the notifications every time somebody goes and views it. And Lord, I just thank you for everything you're doing here. Lord, I thank you for all the tithes and the offerings that have come in, Lord, and I thank you particularly for the legacy offering this morning. Lord, that we're going to be having the extra funds to do amazing things. That, Lord, that we're able to reach out to our missionaries who have a, that this time is the lowest time of their giving, Lord, and we're able to do just the many different things that the legacy offering is for. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Thank you. Lord, I bless your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you next week.